0: Now, turn, turn with me tonight to Psalm 118. Let's just take a few minutes and we'll read together from the Psalm. Psalm 118. We'll read from verse 1. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations compass me about. But in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They... Compass me about, yea, they compass me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compass me about like bees. They are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and has become My salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live. Declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them, and I will praise the Lord. This gate of the Lord, into which the righteous shall enter, I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused has become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. See now, I beseech thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. God is the Lord which hath showed us light. Bind the sacrifice with cords, even unto the horns of the altar. Thou art my God, and I will praise thee. Thou art my God, I will exalt thee. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Amen, we trust and pray that God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now my text this evening is taken from Psalm 118 and the verse 24. It says, This is the day that which the Lord hath made, We will rejoice and be glad in it. And my subject tonight is rejoicing in the day of resurrection. Now, Psalm 118 is a wonderful portion of scripture. And I would encourage you to read it again and again. Did you know that Martin Luther had a personal motto text from this psalm? A text for his life, I told you, was it last week, uh, the text through which he was converted, "The just shall live by faith. Well, Martin Luther found a lovely text that was a model for his life in Psalm 118. As you know, like many today, back in the 15th century, he was persecuted for his faith. And in 1530, he ended up in a place called Coburg Castle in Bavaria. He was hiding from the Roman Catholic authorities. It was around the time of the um, Augsburg uh, Confession. And uh, remember, he had been excommunicated at these days from the Roman Catholic uh, community. And in this castle, he was given a, a room to study. It was in this castle he studied the Bible. And in that place where he translated the Bible into the German language, he he, he found great comfort in one of the verses in the psalm. It became, as I said, a text for his life. And the text was this, verse 17. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of God. Now that's just a little snippet of information from Psalm 118. Here's another fact. Psalm 118, verse 22, 23 in particular, is one of the most often quoted verses in the New Testament. It's found in many, many references in the New Testament. That is, the New Testament writers, when they wanted to validate or substantiate a point, they took this passage of Scripture led by the Holy Spirit and they put it into their text that they were writing to the glory of God. Here's another fact. Psalm 118 is read at the Jewish Passover. Uh, This is part of the Hillel Psalm. Uh, The Hillel Psalms were from 113 to 118, and they would begin reading uh, Psalm 113, and they would end with the reading of Psalm 118. Uh, The Jewish people, the world over to this day, celebrate the uh, Passover. They they celebrate the redemption uh, of the children of Israel out of Egypt, and here's a reference to uh, a day of deliverance from bondage and tyranny—a uh, real day, a day to rejoice, a day for them to to reminisce. Uh, and these words, "This is the day that the which the Lord hath made, we will rejoice and be glad in it." They would have applied to that day of deliverance from bondage and tyranny out of Egypt. Now, as I thought in verse 24 and thought of our theme, Rejoicing in the Day of Resurrection, I I want to share a few thoughts uh, from this particular verse of Scripture. And I have three things I want to tell you about it tonight. I want you to think, first of all, of the meaning that is in view. Notice the words, This is the day which the Lord hath made. Now, now, what is the psalmist referring to specifically when he says this is the day which the Lord hath made? And when I read the commentators and have read a number of the old preachers and examined their writings, I've got a variety of different opinions as to what it means. You see, the word made here in the Hebrew, and I'm not suggesting that I know Hebrew, for I don't. I I learned a little in the Whitfield College of the Bible, uh, and uh, I have to confess I probably struggled with it in my fourth year, but I got through anyway. But the word Hebrew here from the Strong's and the Young's Concordance uh, does mean to appoint. So if we read it that way, this is the day which the Lord hath appointed then you could understand the old commentators saying, think of the day appointed as the Sabbath, because it does apply to the Lord's day. Think of why there was the change uh, of the Sabbath from the Saturday to the Sunday And this is a question that I've been asked by way of an email from one of those people uh, who have responded when we had the service of witness last weekend. And our answer is, the uh, Sabbath was changed from the Saturday to the Sunday by an apostolic edict, by apostolic example, and by an apostolic exhortation. Let me explain. Remember in Exodus 20 verse 8 we read the words, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. That's part of the Ten Commandments. That's the fourth commandment. And that uh, Exodus 20 really forms part of what we call the moral law of God. And um, when God told Moses to write the words, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, he, he went on to tell him four in six days. And he, he took a right back to what God did at creation. There was the six-day week when God worked. And he rested on one day. So he was establishing a principle. Rest in one day and seven. Could you imagine a world where you had to keep going, ladies, 24-7? I know sometimes it feels like that for you. But there's no day of rest. You've got to keep on working. And what would happen if you just kept on working 24-7 with no day in between to rest? Well, your body would break down. Your mind would probably crack. You see, we need a day to rest. That's why it was made. Uh, Jesus said the the Sabbath was made for man, uh, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus would have understood the force of the word, remember the Sabbath day, not the seventh day, as I have pointed out to a number of Seventh-day Adventists. And it's important that you understand that. He didn't say, remember the seventh day to keep it holy. He said, remember the Sabbath day. Remember a day of rest. Man was made on the sixth day, wasn't he? So man's first day on the earth, Was the Sabbath. The day of rest. And I put it to you tonight. Nowhere in the New Testament. Was the fourth commandment. Ever been repealed. We believe of course. In the universality of the moral law. We believe that it is still invoked to this day. And it still applies to the people of God. The principle is there. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. In the Bible yes. There's other Sabbath days. There's high Sabbaths. There's holy days. And while that's all true and we know that the jewish people worship god on the seventh day traditionally a saturday but now in the new testament church there was a change occurred and that change was brought about by the resurrection the lord jesus was raised bodily from the dead on the first day of the week and if you read the gospels listen to me carefully Mark chapter 16, verse 2, Luke 24, verse 1, John 20, verse 1, Matthew chapter 28. Maybe you should just turn to to Matthew chapter 28 uh, and in the verse 1, uh, and you'll see the, the force of the argument there. Matthew chapter 28 and in the verse 1. And it says, in the end of the Sabbath, now that was the Jewish Sabbath. As it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher, and behold, there was a great earthquake. Now, now, do you see the force of that? The Lord Jesus was raised bodily from the dead on the first day of the week. And the early Christians met on the first day of the week. Acts 20 verse 7. And the early Christians in Corinth were told by Paul to take up a collection on the first day of the week. 1 Corinthians 16 and verse 2. And um, we could ask why these Christians, many of them from a Jewish background, a few from a Gentile background, and here they are worshipping on the first day of the week. This was nobody else's holy day. I would suggest to you that there was not a complete sensation at the start with those that, especially from a Jewish background, uh, they was probably still went into the synagogue on the seventh day, uh, no doubt probably keeping to the Jewish Sabbath, uh, and they were there to evangelise. They were there to witness, given the format of the synagogue service, uh, and but they also marked the observance of the first day of the week. And they did so probably until they were put out completely from the synagogue. And if you think of Acts chapter 20, verse 7, the disciples came together. There was many of them. They broke bread in the first day of the week. There was preaching in the first day of the week. No doubt there was praising. No doubt there was prayer. And here's the apostolic example. There was no uproar from these Jews. There was no cry against what was happening. Why? Because they were continuing the principle of one day in seven. Now, now turn with me very quickly there to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter four and verse nine. We're just thinking about the day appointed as the Sabbath. Hebrews chapter four, verse nine. Now, I would encourage you to underline this verse because again, that this is one that I've pointed out to those that are Seventh Day Adventists. Look at verse nine. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. Now if you have a margin, your margin will give an alternative rendering for the word rest. And you see, the word rest in verse 9 is not the usual one for rest, which is cessation of work, in the rest of the chapter. It's a completely different Greek word. The Greek word in verse 9 is sabathomos, which literally means a keeping of a Sabbath. And here's the context. There remains from what has gone before a keeping of the Sabbath. It says in verse 10, for he that has entered into his rest, he also hath ceased from his own works as God did from his. Now, now this is not the Christian entering into his rest by, by giving up his own works. This, this is not a sinner entering into rest by giving up his own works. Paul is directing our thoughts, I believe, to Jesus Christ. Just as God the Father at creation rested from his own work and instituted the Sabbath one day in seven for rest, there's another one who came into the world and finished his work, entered into his rest, and for that reason has left over a keeping of the Sabbath. There's a Sabbath keeping that commemorates his redemptive work, Uh, And there's a a Sabbath-keeping that commemorates his creation work. The creation Sabbath celebrates the creation work. And the Christian Sabbath celebrates the redemptive work. As we have said, Jesus Christ died and rose again from the dead on the first day of the week. And for that reason, thinking of the the apostolic exhortations, of, of the quotations of the various commandments in the Bible and some would argue, oh, there's only nine of the Ten Commandments mentioned in the New Testament, if you add. um, Hebrews 4 and 9, you'll see that there's ten. Here's the ten quoted in the New Testament. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. And there's mutual benefit to be gained uh, through resting physically and mentally and spiritually in seeking the worship of God. So when you think of the words, this is the day, I want you to think of, the day appointed for the Sabbath. But also, think of the day that he appeared in the stable. Luke 2 and 10 tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. That's t- tied into the message of the incarnation. Jesus Christ, remember, was the God-man. Great is the mystery of God, in His God was manifest in the flesh. And I want to say, dear friends, and I've said it repeatedly, Jesus Christ was not just a good man. He was not only a great man, and we could say not even a gracious man, because there's none like him. But at its heart, the Christian message is this: He was the God man, God manifest in the flesh. And that, is, of course, is something that the Unitarians uh, totally do not believe in. They don't believe that Jesus Christ was eternally the Son of God or God manifest in the flesh you think of the day he appeared in the stable and we know that's the christian message or the christmas message but 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 it's tied in to to this message of resurrection for 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 if he wasn't god in the flesh then he would have been left in the tomb think of the day he atoned for our sins doesn't this bring us to some of the holy places associated with our lord jesus especially to golgotha the the place of the skull I enjoyed reading that article today of Dr. McClellan's on Gordon's Calvary. It just brought home to me something that we'd experienced in the land of Israel with Dr. McElveen and the party there. And Again, thinking about those holy places connected with our Saviour. Gethsemane, Gabbatha, Golgotha. And it's interesting that the Jewish people to this day still have a Day of Atonement. Every year they have Yom Kippur. And that's a solemn... And a somber feast for the Jewish people. But you know, we could talk in the Christian community, in the Christian church, of a far greater day of atonement. Because think of what happened in Good Friday. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. Now what does that mean? Christ died. That means he was our substitute. He took our place. Yours and mine. That means he was our surety. He had kept the law perfectly for us. And now he was paying its penalty because the law had been broken. And the law demanded payment. He was our sin offering. Every sin offering in the Old Testament would have been burnt with fire. And the Lord Jesus on the tree was suffering the wrath of God. He was a sin bearer. Wounded for our transgressions. Bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement Of our peace was upon him. As Peter says he bore our sins in his own body on the tree. Can can you imagine that? The transferring of our guilt and punishment to Christ? And Christ treated as the, the biggest sinner of all time? Could you think of Christ the sacrifice? Remember, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, and his blood been shed. Didn't Zechariah preach the message that God had said through him, I remove the iniquity of the land in a day? And surely that at least was something that happened when the Lord Jesus bled and died in Mount Calvary and shed his precious blood. Think of what Jesus did. His work is finished and accomplished. The day he atoned for our sins. We could even think about the day when... He anointed by his spirit and that brings us to another great feast, the day of Pentecost. And what do we need today? We need a mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Doesn't the Bible tell us, be filled with the spirit. And that's a continual daily infilling. And you know, when you come to prayer... Even as a Christian, you can go to the Lord and say, Lord, fill me with your spirit today. I have no strength and power to live for you as a husband, a wife, as a young person, or as a pastor and elder, or even to be a witness, Lord. I'm fearful, but Lord, fill me with your spirit. Now think of the day associated with the sepulcher. Because I believe that this verse firmly, while, as the old commentators have said, it refers to the Sabbath, and while they've said it refers to the stable and, and, and refers, of course, to uh, the, the atonement for our sins at Mount Calvary and, and, and affairs to the anointing of the Spirit, I believe primarily that it is associated with the sepulcher. Remember, as we've said, Jesus Christ rose bodily from the dead on the first day of the week. That's the testimony of the four Gospels, Matthew 28 and 1, Mark 16 and 2, Luke 24 and 1, John 20 and 1. And as we sang there, up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign. He arose. Christ is risen. He arose bodily, physically, tangibly. Here's a day associated with the sepulcher. This is the day that the Lord hath made. The day of resurrection. Now now that's the meaning that's in view. Now notice secondly. The message that is valued. Because let's think of the words now. This is the day which the Lord hath made. The word made in the Hebrew. Can mean made. It could mean fashioned. It could mean decreed could mean performed. It could mean executed. You see, this word made in the Hebrew is really one of those elastic words. And I've discovered from a, 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 another place in the scriptures, Job 14 and verse 5, that it means appointed. This is the day which the Lord hath appointed. Now, now, now you apply that to the resurrection. God appointed the day of Christ's resurrection to be the first day of the week. Therefore, it's a day to remember, it's a day to rejoice in, it's a day to revere because it speaks of Christ's resurrection victory. And also it's a day not only appointed but a day approved by God. Um, I'm always struck with the scripture that tells us there in Acts chapter 2 and in the verse 32, if we ask the question, uh, who raised Jesus from the dead? And the answer is, um, God raised him from the dead. Uh, God the Father uh, had a a, a role in the resurrection because we read here in Acts chapter um, 2, Acts chapter 2 and the verse um, uh, 32 um, he says this Jesus hath God raised up whereof we are all witnesses Peter could tell them the same Jesus whom ye slew and uh, put to death God raised up whereof we are all witnesses Jesus Christ was literally dead on the tree and here he is, literally alive. We could even think this day of the fact that dead men don't eat fish, because in one of his post-resurrection appearances with his disciples, he ate fish. And you see, there's no uncertainty here. It came to pass here. Um, uncertainty fills our minds with doubt, uh, fills us with worry, fills us with fear, fills us with with, with anxiety. We question it. Did it really happen? Is it really possible? Well, taking the words of Scripture, this same Jesus hath God raised up. And also think today of what he himself said, um, speaking of his own life no man taketh it from me, but I have. I lay it down of myself, I've power to lay it down, I've power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. You see, I believe the whole Trinity was really involved in this wonderful miracle of the resurrection. God the Father was at work, God the Son himself, and God the Holy Spirit. And this day was not only appointed, but this day was approved. And maybe we could go further and say the day was announced. Because the resurrection really is proof that God accepted a once and for all sacrifice for sins. I I was thinking to myself, how do I know that my sins are really gone? How do I know that not one of my sins, past, present or future, is going to rise up and condemn me in that day and bar me from heaven? Could you imagine that? And isn't that a thought that sometimes creeps into our mind? And, and God would point us, not primarily to the tree, but he would point us to the tomb. And the tomb is empty. And, and we read in the scriptures, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. And you think of what happened after the resurrection. The Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. And Jesus Christ in his life uh, and in his death and in his resurrection hath power and victory over sin. Uh, He he has dealt a blow to death. He has won the victory over the grave. So we don't have to fear the control of sin in our lives. We don't have to fear its um, application upon us. He is victorious. And and God announces that through the empty tomb. So here's a message that's valued. This is the day that the Lord hath made. He's appointed this day. He's approved of it in that he raised him from the dead and he announced that there's victory for the people that, that trust in Jesus. Now notice lastly, not only the meaning that is in view and the message that is valued, but notice the means that is victorious. Uh, and I've thought about the words. This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Rejoice internally, because this is a reference to joy in the heart, isn't it? And of course, true joy is Jehovah first, or, or Jesus first in your life. Others are next, and yourself is last. But we can rejoice internally. And then we can be glad externally. We can not only have joy in our heart, but our faces can be aglow. It can be seen. And when you've got joy in your heart and your faces aglow, then this is something that you can't keep to yourself. I like the way that old uh, Jeremiah put it when he talked about the word of God being a fire in his bones. But we thought this morning of the two disciples on the road to Emmaus who had spiritual heartburn, did not our hearts burn within us while well, he talked with us, by the way. When Jesus draws near, converses with us, brings us into communion and fellowship with himself, it has an impact. We're affected. We can't be the same. And that is true here. We will rejoice and be glad. What a wonderful thing it is to know the Saviour. What a wonderful thing it is to be in fellowship With him. You just think this evening of the the poor religionists of the world. Whether they're Buddhists. Or whether they're Muslim. Or Hindus or Roman Catholics. And their religion you see is all about doing this and doing that. And uh, it's a religion of fear. And that's why they do it. That's the motivating factor. I've got to do this. I've got to pray five times a day to please my God. I have got to go on this pilgrimage. And, and you know, I can see little flutters of um, the reversal of Reformation, even in our own land. Uh, people out in possession, carrying a cross, lighting candles, putting pictures again uh, up in churches. And, and I'm saying, well, we don't want to go back to that religion of fear. We don't want to go back to a list of do's and don'ts. Um, the, the, the rejoice internally is joy in our heart because God is there in the person of his son and that is seen in our witness isn't it wonderful that there's no message like the gospel message there's none like it in all of the earth because the work's done and true religion is different from false religion as we've said it's not due but it's done Jesus said it is finished um, or, or simply called to enter into his rest we, we rest in Christ. And because of that, we can live to the glory and honour of God. Even if we face difficult circumstances. Uh, and even though at times, as one old believer put it recently, the Lord stretches you. And isn't it true that we're often tested? And yet, what are we held by? What keeps us going when we're stretched? And maybe ready to quit. Who gives us the power and the victory to cope? Is it not because our Lord has risen indeed? And it's the victory of Christ's redemptive work. Not only in his crucifixion, but in his resurrection victory. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. He, He walks with me. He talks with me all along. Life's narrow way. Let me just finish with this little thought. If you turn over there to Matthew chapter 28 and look with me at verse 8 and think of the women who were the first witnesses of the resurrection story and we read there a very interesting point about joy and this really struck me. Matthew chapter 28 and in the verse 8 and it says, and they departed quickly from the sepulchre. Remember the angel had met with them. He had said unto the women, Fear ye not, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. What do we read? And they departed quickly from the sepulchre with fear and great joy. And did run to bring his disciples' word. I I, I like that. They were running with joy in their hearts. And they were glad externally. Their faces were aglow. You could see their excitement as they were running to tell the the disciples. Notice something else as we finish. Turn over there to Luke chapter 24 again. And I, I think it's the verse 52 Luke 24 and verse 52. This is after the ascension. And it came to pass, verse 51, while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they continued in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Now, Now do you get the picture? Here's the Lord Jesus, and he has ascended from the disciples into heaven. And what do we, we read? They returned to Jerusalem. Why did they go to Jerusalem? Well, well, you could argue the house of God was there, the temple. And that was right. But let me suggest something else. They returned to their own locality. They returned to the very place where Christ had been crucified. And they went there to Tarek. They went there to pray. They they went there to to be a witness for the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus. And, And why did they do it? They did it with joy, great joy, the Bible tells us. But why? Because their eyes had seen the risen Christ. And because he was risen indeed and they had seen him and they believed that and joy had filled their heart. What a difference it made when they returned to Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that they were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Uh, and I trust this evening, as you think of the words, this is the day that the Lord hath made. You, you think specifically of the day associated with the sepulchre. And its opening on that first morning of the week. And you'd think of the message. This is a day that God appointed. He appointed for a son to rise from the dead. God approved of this day. God announced this day by the empty tomb. Come and see the place where he lay. And here's the means through which we can have victory. We can have joy in our heart. We can have gladness in our face. Because the Lord is risen indeed. May the Lord help us to have that holy joy. And to be that faithful witness. That we might run to others with joy in our heart. And tell of Jesus the mighty deceive, And we'll return to our own locality. We'll return to the house of God, even next Sabbath and beyond, with the same joy in our heart. May the Lord bless these futurists to our hearts this evening.